Anyway, well, go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I want to read uh, this short passage of Scripture to you and then I want to uh, speak to you on a subject that's been on my heart for a long time. You know, sometimes there's these things that are going on in the world and things that are going on in churches and amongst uh, Baptists and sometimes just get me fired up a little bit. Sometimes just get me, I don't know, get my blood blown a little bit. And this message, I think I could say it's been building for a long time. Alright? And don't worry folks, I'm not after you or nothing right now. So, you know, go ahead and, you know, let your shield down. But there's just stuff that it's going on amongst Christianity. And sometimes I just gotta, I just gotta let it out. I just got to, I gotta say something. And so, uh, hold on to your hats. That's all I gotta say. But Romans chapter 3 and verse 1 says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of the uncircumcision? Much every way chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? He's talking here about the Jews. God had blessed them. God had given them His law, His Scripture. And I mean, they had a huge advantage over the rest of the world. And it's amazing how we see in the Bible, how it was the Jews that were very stubborn and they rejected Jesus Christ. They crucified Him. And even after His resurrection, they still rejected the preaching of the Gospel. They stoned Stephen. And they had no excuse for that. Uh, they had every advantage, much every way chiefly. God had given them the oracles of God. And He makes that statement, for what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect. It's amazing how many people today, when you can, you can hit them with truth, you can hit them with the Scripture, and they'll say, well, I don't believe that. As if that changes what the truth is. As if that changes anything. It says, what if some did not believe? Uh, so their you know, unbelief make the faith of God without effect. And he says in verse 4, this is where we get the title of the message, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. The title of my message is Let God Be True. Let God be true and every man a liar. You know, man cannot be trusted. You, you, can't, you can't trust what man says. You can't, you know, we can have any two people in here. Can I witness one event? And not necessarily have the same story, can they? And let me tell you, thank God, He understands that. And so He gave us His perfect Word. He gave us the Scriptures. He inspired men to write down the Word of God. And it is an amazing book that has no mistakes, that has no contradictions, that every word in it is perfect. Proof that it came from God Yet we live in a world today and we live amongst even Christians and even amongst the Baptists sometimes that doubt the Word of God, that will question the Word of God and will even change the Word of God. And whenever there is a subject that comes up, whenever there is a discussion, a doctrinal discussion, we're seeing more and more where people, they're not referencing the Bible, but they reference other books. I've got a few books up here that I wanted... I wanted to show you, I want to reference that, you know, these aren't necessarily bad books. Well, one of them probably, not a couple of them maybe are. But at the same time, I'm getting sick of people referencing these books 
and using these books to go against what the Bible says. Because these books were written by men. Okay, And let me, just before we get into some of this stuff, you know, all through the Bible we see the failures of men. Throughout the Bible, think about the perfect man, Adam. He couldn't be trusted in the garden, could he? The perfect man, Noah, the one who found grace in the eyes of the Lord that God used to preserve the human population and save all the animals. Noah, he got drunk not long after the flood, didn't he? We see that Abraham, he had a child with his wife's handmaid. We see Moses had a temper. He killed a man. We see Moses disobeyed God. He smote the rock and wasn't able to go in the promised land because of it. We see men like David, a man after God's own heart who committed adultery, who committed murder. We see Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, had 700 wives that ended up turning his heart away and getting him to build you know, you know, uh, things to false gods. I mean, these are some of the greatest men that we ever see in the Bible. We see Peter. He denied Christ. We see, we see him cussing and cursing. And even after Christ's ascension, the disciples, they had disputes about doctrinal things. And one of the things that people do all the time whenever you're having a, do- a doctrinal debate, they like to reference everything but the Bible. They will reference church history. But you know, you can't even trust church history. I mean, and it's like the older the writing is, the more true it's got to be. But yet, when we read the Bible, we see that in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, seven churches are mentioned there. And every one of those churches, except for one, had major problems. And the one good church, the Bible said that you have little, you know, God said you have little strength. Every one of those churches back in the first century had major problems. That tells me if we went back and we found writings from churches in the first century, we're going to find some false doctrine in there. We're going to find things that don't line up with the Bible. And just because that's what they did in the first century church, that doesn't mean we ought to do it. If it doesn't, if it's not spelled out in the Bible, we shouldn't do it. And people will reference those things all the time. Well, this was in the you know this is what they taught in the 1600s. This is what they taught in the 400s. And nobody wants to say, but what does the Bible say? There was a day when if there was a dispute about anything, somebody could take a Bible and they could read it, and they would see what it says, and then everybody shut up. Argument over. What does the Scripture say? There was a day that that would happen, but you know what? Something that's happened in recent years is people have wrote some other books that they like to use with the Bible. And these things many times will trump what the Bible says, even in Baptist churches. I remember when I was just a little kid, I remember seeing a commercial for the Book of Mormon. And I remember, it, you know, they, they uh, advertised themselves, they called themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they were giving away this Book of Mormon. I had no idea what a Mormon was. But also, if you got this Book of Mormon, they were giving away free King James Bibles. Do you know Mormons use a King James Bible? But they also use the Book of Mormon. And I remember as a kid thinking, wow, they're giving away King James Bibles. And I, I knew, I was taught King James Bible is a good Bible. And so I thought, these people must be pretty good. And I told my dad, hey, they're giving away King James Bibles. And he's like, yeah. And, it's like, they, and he's like, no, that's, that's a bad religion. And I'm like, dad, they, you know, they use the King James Bible. And I said, yes. But they also use a Book of Mormon that you know they trust over what the King James Bible says, and that's wrong. We're not supposed to have. There's not. You know, God wasn't going to give another testament. They refer. I forgot what they called it. You know, but they talked about it was like another. I think it's, they called it another testament of Jesus Christ. 
And I remember Dad explaining what the Bible says. And, you know, because the, the Book of Mormon was supposedly given to Joseph Smith by an angel. But what did the Bible say? Though we or an angel, they preach anything, let him be accursed. I'll be showing you that verse in a little bit. And so, you know, Dad taught me that. And I'm like, okay, Book of Mormon, bad. And you know what? I remember the Jehovah's Witness that I worked with. We would discuss doctrinal things sometimes. Have arguments. And I was always going, to, well, the Bible says this. And he always had this book with his Bible on human reasoning. And many times when I would show him what the Bible said, he would pull out this book on human reasoning that explained why the Jehovah's Witness religion was right and the Bible was wrong. And it's not saying the Bible's wrong, but another, he was saying you have to ha- have this book to understand this book. And you know what? I've got some of those books up here that even Baptists today are saying you've got to have these books to understand this book. One of them is Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. Now, I love the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. I think it's a good book. It's a good dictionary. You can get a lot from this. But I'm getting tired of preachers getting up and seeing something that they don't like in the Bible and say, well, if you study the Greek, and these people don't even know Greek, if you study the Hebrew, they don't know Hebrew. They can't speak Greek. They can't speak Hebrew. But that what they're saying is, if you look in the Strong's Concordance of the Bible and you look at the meaning of this word in the Greek, the Bible should have been translated this way. I don't like what the Bible says, so I'm going to use this. And you all remember that verse in the Bible where God promised to preserve a dictionary? I don't remember that either. Or the one where He promised to inspire the dictionary? I don't remember that verse either. It's not in the Bible. And you can use books like this and they will help you to maybe you know understand some words you don't understand. But at the same time, if it contradicts what's actually written here, what's taught in this Bible, you know what you do? You throw that out and say, forget it. Who cares? Okay? Let God be true and every man a liar. I don't know who strong is. I don't, I, don't, I don't know who he is. I don't know what his religion was, what he taught. I, I don't know that. I've heard people many times tell me, you know, prove that certain religions are better religions because of, you know, this person was that religion. Who cares? What does the Bible say? Let God be true and every man a liar. People use that. I'm getting kind of tired of this one too. And honestly, I don't know this man well. I don't know at all. He died a long time ago. I've not read a lot of his stuff. But I'm going to just tell you right now, I don't really like him. And maybe I'm unjust. Maybe that's unjust. Because, but the, here's why I don't like him. I'm getting sick of everybody quoting this guy to prove the Bible wrong and to prove sound doctrine wrong. I'm getting tired of everybody using this guy to prove Calvinism all the time, which I do not believe in one bit. And that's Spurgeon. All right, Charles Spurgeon. Now he may have been a great guy. Okay, I've gotten. Uh, I've, I've heard some people talk about how wonderful he was and how he was the prince of preachers. And I've heard other people say he was a heretic and is probably burning in hell. And I hear quotes from this guy all the time. And with the young, trendy crowd, if you quote Spurgeon, you win an argument. I mean, if you, and, and this, that's all this book is. It's quotes from Spurgeon on different things. So if, I want, if I'm wanting to preach a message on something, I'm going to try to prove to you what's right on a doctrine, I can look and see what Spurgeon said about it. And if you're doubting, because you know, the Scripture wasn't enough, 
I quote Spurgeon. Well, you got to accept it now. Because, man, that's, Spur- that's Charles Spurgeon. Prince of Preachers. Big. Famous. Everybody knows who he was. His pictures hanging up in churches all over the place. He's got all these books. He said stuff and everything. But, you know, you can read in this book and find where Spurgeon contradicts himself all the time. You can't, you, you can't trust men. And he may have been saved. He may have been a great guy. But if what he says contradicts the Bible, then who cares about Spurgeon? Who cares? Now, can we learn something from him? Yeah, you might be able to learn some things. But, you know, you can learn a lot more from this right here. You can learn a lot more. And whenever you've got to break out another book to prove your doctrine, there is a problem. Last book I want to show you. These are all books I've got. I've had them for a long time. Dispensational Truth. Now, I'm about ready, I'm about ready to do a public burning of this book because I'm telling you right now, Baptists have gotten ridiculous with that book. There, there is some wicked doctrines that have crept into Baptist churches. And if you read Dispensational Truth, it's called you know, rightly dividing the word of truth. It teaches you how to rightly divide the word of truth. And we're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth because rightly dividing the word of truth is mentioned in the Bible. And, when it, and what people do all the time when it comes to end times things, when it comes to who are the chosen people, there are very clear things spelled out in the Bible. I mean crystal clear verses of the Bible. And every time I talk to people and I have a discussion about these things, and I'll say, you know, the Bible says this, they'll say, well, you're not rightly dividing the word of truth. Anytime somebody tells you you're not rightly dividing the word of truth, you know what they're saying? We need dispensational truth. Well, you've got to understand who this was written to. Well, how am I going to figure that out? Dispensational truth. You know, but, but the Bible, you know, Jesus said, yeah, he was talking to the Jews here and he said things are going to happen this way. And yeah, when he's talking to the Gentiles, he said things are going to happen the exact same way. And they'll, and, and, you know, so don't, wouldn't I conclude that it's going to happen the way Jesus said it was going to happen? Nope. You've got to look things dispensationally. And nobody is going to read the Bible. No two people, I should say, are going to read the Bible and both come up with this. Okay? I don't know who came... I mean, Clarence Larkin, I guess he was, he's the one that wrote that book. But I'm going to tell you, there is some messed up stuff that is taught in there. There are people that are teaching that people got saved different ways throughout, you know, throughout history and the Bible. And in the future, they're going to get saved in different ways depending on which dispensation. And, and people all the time, you can show them a clear Scripture in the Bible and then they'll start pulling out dispensational truth. And I'm like, I'm getting sick of that book. You know, it's enough work, you know, defending what the Bible says and, you know, learning what all of the scriptures, that's a lot of work too. But when I got to start figuring out all these other books too, to, you know, to prove a point, well, we're never going to win because you can always find another man that's going to agree with you on anything. You can always find another book. You can always find a religion for whatever you want to believe, for whatever you want to think, you can find a church somewhere out there that goes, that thinks the way you think. And that believes the way you believe. But are you looking for a church that thinks the way you think, that believes the way you believe? Or are you looking for a church that teaches the Bible? That teaches the Word of God. Where the Word of God is the final authority. Where the Word of God can be opened up and you can see what the Bible says and they close it. End of discussion. Let's do what it says. Oh no, because the Bible is just too complicated. You can't understand it. 
You know, it's amazing with all the information, with all these books that we have. Really, that concordance it is an amazing work. It's amazing how it can help you, you know, go through the scriptures and study certain subjects. But with all those tools, we are more ignorant of the scriptures than ever. I seem to remember a story in the Bible about King Josiah. They went and they found the book. He, he's nearly 20 years old and he's the king and they find the word of God. It hasn't been read in years. Josiah has never heard it before. And he asks them to read this, the law to him. He reads the scriptures to him. And when he got done, he rent his clothes. He's like, we are in trouble. How did he know they were in trouble? He was able to just hear what the scripture had to say. And he understood it and he believed it. And they got right. But nowadays, if a guy, a preacher just got up and read scripture, everybody's going to stand there looking at him stone faced. What's he talking about? Well, we can't just give scripture to people. They're not going to understand it. We got to help them out. We've got to use all these other books to dumb it down for everybody, to simplify it. And all they do is mess it up. They twist everything. And what's happening today, even, especially Baptist people, I mean, they're getting so messed up in their doctrine in many areas. And it's because they've quit using the Bible to form their doctrine. And they're, they're, they're trying, or they're, they've quit making the Bible shape their doctrine. And they're just trying to use the Bible to go along with the doctrine they've already come up with. It's like they've accepted dispensational truth, dispensational theology. That is the way we're supposed to think. This is right. We have to rightly divide the word of truth. So now how can we make the Bible fit it? And when you see the way they twist the Scriptures to make it fit with this book, it's embarrassing to watch it. It's embarrassing. The way the Calvinists will use the Bible to try to make it fit with what Spurgeon says. It's ridiculous. It's annoying. And it is, it is wrong. We are supposed to just look at what the Bible says and believe it. Let God be true and every man a liar. Said You can read other books. I've got a bunch of books in my office that I've read, but you know what? More and more, I'm finding out these things are just confusing me. These things are just trying to make the Bible fit. I've got several end times books in my office that I've read. I've got people wanting to straighten me out when it comes to end time stuff. And all these books do is try to make the scriptures fit this book. Why do we need this book? Okay, why do why do why is it so important to make the Bible fit this book? Why can't we just read the Bible? And if you would do that, you'd, you'd figure that stuff real easy. But you know, people, you know, they they always say. If it's old, it's got to be true, but you, you can't trust people. People always say, you know, things like, for example, when it, I've been mentioning end times, that the disciples believe that God could return in their day. That, you will hear that repeated all the time from preachers. The disciples believe that Jesus Christ could return in their day. And you know what? 99% of preachers, I could talk to them, I can show them the scripture I'm about to show you, and the argument will go on. When this verse right here proves, I can, I can prove to you, I'm going to prove right now from the Scriptures that Peter did not believe that Jesus Christ was going to return in his day. Look at what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1. Turn over there. I'm going to show you right now because people say this all the time. And I get in trouble when I say, no, the disciples didn't believe that. And you can show Scripture 
But what does dispensational truth say? Well, let's look at the Scripture says. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Yea, I think it meeteth as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you into remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. You see what Peter is saying here? Jesus revealed them. You can see it in John chapter 21 that he was going to be martyred, that he was going to be put to death. Jesus Christ revealed that to Peter, that he was going to die. And Peter is referencing this right here. He's like, I know shortly I'm going to put off this tabernacle. In other words, I'm going to die. Peter said he knew that. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. I want you to remember these things after I'm dead. After I'm gone. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Cunningly devised fables right here. Right right there. We have not followed these. Uh, I lost my spot. What verse was I in? 16. When we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory that this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with Him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Y'all see that right there? Peter said, we were eyewitnesses of the majesty of Christ. Peter was there. Peter, James, and John were with Jesus when He was transfigured on that Mount of Transfiguration. They were there. They saw it. They were eyewitnesses of it. But you know what Peter said? You've got something better than an eyewitness account. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Y'all see that? We're not following cunningly devised fables. We're not even going after an eyewitness. You know what? We have the Scriptures. It was written by holy men of God. They spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Y'all understand that every one of the people that we see who wrote the Scriptures in the Bible, you can find major flaws with those people. But these aren't their writings. They're not their words. It was the word. These are the words of God. God used these men to write His words. And because of that, we, we can know what we have here is better than an eyewitness account. It's better than a historical document somewhere. I mean, look at history that we've seen, recent history, how things that we have seen clearly are being... All, you know, history has already changed the reality of things that we've seen. You know, people write history to fit their agenda. You can't trust history. You really can't. And Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. This is better than an eyewitness account. And Peter in this passage, he just happened to mention a few times how he was going to die. Jesus revealed that Peter was going to die. So why would Peter have been looking for the coming of Christ? Why would Peter have been expecting the rapture when Jesus said, you are going to die? Peter knew it wasn't coming in his lifetime, so why would he have wrote about it? 
Why would he have been expect? Why would he have been expecting it? it? It doesn't even make sense. But people say that all the time, and it's gospel. And right there, when Peter says it was revealed to him that he was going to die by Jesus Christ, you know what? We got to take that out of our sermons. We can't say, but nobody ever, nobody's ever willing to correct themselves. You know, I'll correct myself. You know, last week, you know what I said last week? I, I caught, I, I was reading my Bible and I read the story of when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant and, you know, God smote them with emeralds and all that. Well, I merged that with the story of Uzzah when he touched the Ark of the Covenant. I, I, I merged two stories together that didn't go together. Can't believe I did that. I messed that up. Did it change anything doctrinally on what I was teaching? You know, no, not really, but it made me look like I don't know the Bible very well. I was wrong about that. Okay? The story of us touching the ark and the one where God spoke the Philistines with emeralds, those happened far apart. They didn't have the same time. My mind merged two stories together. I apologize. But you know, a lot of preachers these days, no, no, no. They had to have been that way. <laughs> we'll make it fit. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't say it in that story with us that God smote with hemorrhoids, but I'm sure somebody had hemorrhoids somewhere on the world at that time, and I'm sure some of them were Philistines, and, uh, you know, God was probably remembering what they did way back then, so I wasn't out of line when I said that. No, I got it wrong, alright? I mixed the story up. I, I should have known better, but I don't know, it just, that happens sometimes. Man messes things up. We, we can see in the Bible, we can read where Paul and Peter had a major dispute. If you look at that story, Paul references it in Galatians where Peter, he's basically living like a Jew when he's around the Jews and he's sending them a false message by doing that and Paul withstood him to the face. And what's interesting about that story and that the fact that Peter did that, if you go back in the book of Acts, it was Peter that was telling the council there that you know what? We don't need to be teaching them to keep these laws. We weren't able to keep them. It was Peter that taught against that very thing, but later on we see him doing the very thing that he taught against. So, you know, and a lot of the so-called scholars these days, if they could find another book or find some kind of proof that Peter, you know, followed Jewish customs, even, uh, you know, during the early church days, yep, we need to do that. We need to observe the Sabbath. We need to dress like a Jew. We need to wear a beanie. We got, we can't eat pork. Peter did that. Well, guess what? Peter would have been wrong. And Peter did get caught up into some of that stuff. But yet, you don't see Peter talk about that in any of his writings. You know why? Well, one, I believe he got right. But two, those aren't the words of Peter. They're the words of God. And so he wouldn't have written anything like that. But you know, many, many preachers, they pride themselves in all the books they read. They love using the quotes of the famous preachers you know, to advance the doctrine that Contradicts clear scriptures, but you know, and every every wing of you know the independent fundamental Baptist world, they have the people they like to quote. You know, they'll quote you know Charles Spurgeon, you know the Calvinist group. You know, you got people they'll quote Jack Hiles or Bob Jones or who whoever. And these guys had some great things to say. You know, you they they advanced some great things. They taught some great things. They did they did wonderful things, but they weren't they were only men. They weren't perfect. If there's areas where they veered from the scriptures, we don't follow that. We don't teach that, and you best you especially don't use their quote to go against something that the Bible says. People tell me that all the time. You know, how dare you teach that? 
All the great men of God, they taught it this way. Well, but the Bible says, yeah, but Lester Roloff said this and B.R. Lakin said this. Well, you know, I don't know those guys. They all died before I was even born. And I don't remember seeing anywhere in the Bible where God promised to preserve their writings and inspire their writings. I'm reading the Bible, supposedly the same Bible that they used. And the Bible says this. So, there's that verse in the Bible where it says, let God be true and every man a liar. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to that. You know, and as history changes too, they expand the men that they quote too. You know, some of these people that are being quoted all the time, I mean, some of these people were very wicked when you, when you look at their history. You know, men like you know, John Calvin and Martin Luther and, and even a lot of Baptists say they're quoting Martin Luther King Jr. Like he was this great hero of the faith. And I'm telling you, 50 years from now, we're going to be hearing quotes proving something's right or wrong from you know the great heroes of the faith like Willie Robertson and you know Joel Osteen and you know and all, I mean you know Carrie Underwood. I mean you know I mean just these these so-called Christians because guess what? 100 years from now, I doubt it. You know, not too many people are going to remember me, but they're all going to remember Willie Robertson. They're all going to remember Carrie Underwood. You know, they're all going to remember those big names that we could look at today and see what's going on and say that is not scriptural. That is not what the Bible says. But you know what? God is not obligated to inspire or to preserve my teachings for all generations. He's not obligated to do that. He doesn't need to do that. We have the Bible. The next generation is supposed to follow the Bible. Not necessarily Tommy McMurtry, because if you worked hard enough, you could probably find a flaw in my doctrine. You can just go back as far as last week and, you know, and find, find some flaws right there. And so, you know, we can't do that. And we are foolish. We are foolish to think that because people were big back in the day that we can just trust everything they said. And, you know, I heard somebody say one time, you know, the fact that you have Sunday school in church today, you owe that. I believe it was J. Frank Norris. Okay. I thought we did the things that we do because we got these ideas from the Bible. Well, alright, if he gets all the credit for it, if I quit doing something like that, am I okay? No, you're going to be a heretic. But wait, no, I'm a heretic if I'm going against what the Bible says. Not J. Frank Norris. Was everybody before J. Frank Norris in the early 1900s, were they all heretics? I... I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think Sunday school is great. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's wonderful. But, you know, don't tell me I have to do something in my church because J. Frank Norris taught it. I don't know J. Frank Norris. I've never read his book. I've heard him quoted a whole bunch of times to prove things. But I'd rather see the Scripture on it. I'd rather see what the Bible has to say. You know, if you need a quote from a man that you can live by, here's one for me. I've got a King James Bible. That's all I need. That's all I need. Psalms chapter 12, verse 6. Turn over there real quick. Psalms chapter 12. Because people, people say all the time, you could go to 99% of the churches in this town and you can, and preachers will, if you ask them, do you believe there's mistakes in the Bible? 
Now, they're not going to give you a simple yes or no, but most will believe there's mistakes in the Bible. You go to most churches, they will correct the Bible with a concordance. They will tell you how it is wrong. They will tell you how it should have been translated this way. A better translation would be this. But Psalms chapter 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And I believe God has preserved His Word in the King James Bible. And I don't even hear anybody claiming that it's anywhere else. I mean, every Baptist I know that doesn't believe the words of God are pure words, that God has preserved His Word in this King James Bible, they don't even claim any other version. The only one that they will claim, if you go look in the doctrinal statement of most Baptist churches, they say, we believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures in the originals. Oh, sweet. Where can I get an original? Well, they don't exist. Okay, but what if it's a copy of what the original says? Is it still inspired? But at the same time, if we don't have an original to see if the copies go along with, well then, how can we know? And you know what? You can find a zillion people that will come and they'll give you their history and you know, give you all this proof that there's all these flaws in the King James Bible. But let me tell you something. Right here in Psalms chapter 12, okay, you quote whoever you want. But right here in the Bible, it says that God promised that He would preserve His Word from this generation forever. And I've never even heard anybody claim that it is anywhere else. Somewhere, there is a perfect Word of God. And I've never even heard anybody claim that it's anywhere other than the King James Bible. Everyone who doubts it's in the King James Bible, they have no idea where it's at. They don't believe it's anywhere. Oh, well, it's just the law that's written in our hearts. Really? So we're just going to go off what we feel in our heart? So if in my heart, I don't like that Scripture, I don't have to obey it? But here's the problem with that. The Bible says no Scriptures of any private interpretation. We read that one. And everybody's heart feels different on different Scriptures. So you know what? You will be laughed at. You will be mocked if you take a hard line King James only stance. But you know what I say? Let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care. You're basically claiming... You know, you're laughing at me because I have claimed and I have anchored my faith on this Word of God right here. And you're mocking me and you've basically anchored your faith on this. Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible or nothing. Spurgeon. And you're going to laugh at me? I'm telling you right now, you're the one that I'll be laughed at. You're the one, you're the one that's not thinking straight. I'll admit it right now. I based it on the Bible. Alright, the Bible is the, it is the final authority. Our flesh, our feelings, they cannot be trusted. Well, I just don't feel like that's right. I don't feel, I just don't feel like God would ever send anybody to hell. Well, you know, Philippians 3, 3 says, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul's saying, listen, if you're going to glory in the fact that you're a Jew, I'd be the one glorying. 
Man, I'm the, I'm the stock of Israel. I mean, I followed the law. I was blameless in those areas. But you know what? We know, he says, that we are the circumcision. Talking about the believers, the Christians, and we have no confidence in the flesh. None at all. And yet, there's even people today, I get in trouble for this all the time too, because I teach that we are the circumcision, that we are, uh, that we are Israel, that we are the Jews spiritually, and that and I, I get in trouble for that all the time. And I'll use verses like that that are very clear. And what does everybody do? Haha, <laughs> this beats anything. This beats anything you're going to teach. You think you know more than Clarence Larkin? I don't know. I don't know what he knew, but I know that Clarence Larkin didn't know more than God. I know that the Bible beats that book any day of the week, every time. And so, you know, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to go along with that stuff. You know, we can't trust our feelings. We shouldn't let. We shouldn't even let Paul himself get away with contradicting the Word of God. Paul, the Apostle Paul, we all look up to. If somebody dug up a book that they could prove was written by the Apostle Paul, people would automatically accept that in religion and use that to prove things. But you know what? Paul said in Romans seven twenty four, "O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death?" Paul didn't think much of himself. Paul himself said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you who would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Even if it's me. Paul said, if I come along and I preach another gospel, or if an angel comes along and preach another gospel, let him be accursed. Look at that person and just assume they're lost. Assume they're saved. I know preachers today, evangelists, okay? There's a lot of guys who call themselves evangelists that just pretty much go around they're motivational speakers. Some of them are just traveling comedians. I know one guy, traveling comedian, calls himself an evangelist, and he's teaching there's three Gospels taught in the Bible. Three Gospels! And, you know, he's a nice guy, and he preaches some good stuff, but at the same time, my Bible says, if they preach any other Gospel, let them be accursed. So if you con- somebody comes here in a church and he says there's three Gospels, and you know where they get that from? Right here. You know what I say? That is not a saved person. Oh, how dare you say that about, about, about a man of God? They're not a man of God if they're not preaching the truth. How dare you say that about him? He's a nice guy. He's really funny. Well, I don't think it's funny when you twist the Scriptures like that. His jokes might be good, but let me tell you, that's not a joke when you start messing with the Scriptures like that. When you start teaching that garbage, that's not a joke. That is not funny. No, there's no way this guy is a, you know, these guys are hardcore King James only people. Listen, there's a reason that when people come along using these other books, they're usually King James people. You know why? Because most of us, we know if somebody comes along and they're carrying one of these other versions of the Bible, we... People like me, I shut them off instantly. I, I could care less what they have to say after that. But these guys, if the, if the Bible says 
that the devil, he was going to sow tares among the wheat. Okay? And it's like people think, no, we understand false prophets, but they're not going to be in here. This is where the devil's going to try to bring them. This is, why would he do it in the false religions? They're already taken care of. They're already off. He's going to send the wolves in sheep's clothing in here. In churches like this. This is where they're going to show up. And the Lord gave us something so we could sniff them out. He gave us something so we could know. He gave us the Word of God. We're supposed to check up what it says. And yet, people today, we are so messed up in this country, a boy can say I'm a girl and we're supposed to accept, accept the fact that he's a girl. And you know what? Baptists are just as politically correct. A guy comes in and says, I'm a fundamental Baptist and we're just supposed to believe him, even if he's teaching things like multiple Gospels. When the Bible says, let him be accursed. How... That's pathetic, folks. I'm going to call them out and I'm going to say they're lost. That they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. That they are a false prophet. And you know what? They're not coming here. Oh, you can't sit there. Let God be true and every man a liar. Oh, no, there, there's no way. I just feel... Who cares how you feel? You don't, we do not... We do not trust them. If a so-called great man teaches another gospel... We should take their witness like a witness of a lost drunkard. Well, the Bible says no drunkard should enter the kingdom of God. Oh, well, you know, the Bible says no drunkard should enter the kingdom of God. And you know what? If you all would not, if, if I had some drunk come up here, and this guy, he's drunk and he's staggering around, drooling all over the place, and you, you know, he's preaching you can get to heaven by your good works and you can get to heaven being a drunk just as easy as being a good Christian. Now, you all would be like, get this guy out of here. Okay? He's a drunkard. Why would we listen to a drunkard? Well, why would we listen to somebody who says there's multiple gospels? Why would we listen to somebody who uses other books like this one to contradict the Bible? And to fix the Bible. Why would we, why would we sit there and let somebody, you know, say, bring out a concordance because they don't like what the Bible says when God never promised to preserve a dictionary. God never promised to preserve uh, or expire a concordance. And we can't just take the Bible at its word, plain and simple. Why would we use history? Even in the Corinthian church, Paul said, I hear there's heresies among you. A church that Paul was involved in in the first century, it had heresies being taught in there. You see that all the time in Bibles or in churches in, in the church day or in the early church days, they had heresies in there. There is one church in Revelation, you suffer that woman Jezebel to speak. I mean, just crazy things that were being taught in the early church. Why would we use history? Why would we ever use the words of man to form our doctrine? God gave us His Word. And you know what? One of these days, I'm going to die. I'm going to pass off the scene. And what I have taught, it will, it will vanish away. It will be forgotten. But you know what? The world will be fine as long as they've got this. And God promised that He will preserve His Word. My, if I, I may write some books one of these days, if I do, they might not survive the test of time, but this Bible will survive the test of time. People should be able to get along without my teaching just fine in the world because we have a Bible 
And so we need to we just we need to, we need to trust that. We need to do what it says and nothing else. I thank God for the many preachers that have been involved in my life. I, there's many that I could name. I will always be thankful for them. I will always honor them for what they've done. But you know, on their best day, they were just flawed men that were saved by the grace of God. And they would tell you, they would tell you that too. You know, on their best day, God was being great. God was being gracious to them and God was allowing them to be used to help people like me. That's what Paul said about himself. You know, who is Paul or who is Apollos? We're just, how did he say it? You know, God used, we're, uh, oh, witnesses by whom you believe. I might have NIV'd that a little bit. But, you know, hey, God used us to help you believe that. And that's all we are. That's what Paul said. That's all we are. That's all I am. I'm somebody that God uses to help people like you believe the Word of God. To believe, to believe His Word. And I thank God. I am thankful for what the great men have, have done. I'm thankful for those who've kind of, you know, blazed the new trails and have accomplished things. But, you know, where did they get their abilities to do the things they did? They got them from God, didn't they? You know, where did they learn the things? You know, it was God that gave them their gifts and talents. It was the Word of God that they taught. And yeah, on their best day, there were errors. And, I, and I'm not going to go bashing them. I, I, because I can find a flaw in their life, I wouldn't do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor these people. I do. I, I'm, thankful, I'm thankful for them. But I will never allow anyone that God has used in my life, their teach, if, if their teaching contradicts the Bible... I'm not obligated to follow what they taught. I'm supposed to follow the Bible. And I hope you all will do, I hope you all will do that too. Let God be true and every man a liar. So with that, let's all stand together.